0: Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You're listening to Tom Hawk Talk on WBFS, Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida state in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. You can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850 1837 You can also find us on Twitter at Talk underscore Tomahawk. Jenny, for, well, I don't know if she's going to stay on the Twitter the entire time. She might be just passing through. Can you Can you stay on the entire time? Thanks, Jenny. Jenny is back on the Twitter. The Twitter goat, the greatest of all time. She is back, so make sure to give her a shout. Tell her what's up. We're very happy to ha- very happy to have her. Welcome to Tom Hawk Talk, everyone. And just like the New York Knicks, New York Knicks in free agency, we too sometimes disappoint our fans. And why do I say that? Well, somehow, some way, <laughs> on last week's show featuring the NBA draft, we forgot yeah. to talk about Fiondu Cavangeli, and Terrence Mann. Luke, how did how did we manage to do that? I think we
1: were just saving up for the podcast, right? That Nick, you were on that podcast. On. If you want to give a little. Uh, plug on. I
0: was on uh, the Topping Chop podcast, which is a merger podcast between those of us at Taha Talk and V89 and the FS View, which is, of course, the Florida State University official newspaper, so make sure you go and check that out, if you could be so inclined. But it is now the 1st of July, smack dab in the <laughs> middle of the summer, and it is unbearably hot outside in Tallahassee, but it's also going to be incredibly hot inside the studio tonight because it is self is <laughs> self-proclaimed hot take season here on tomahawk talk nba free agency has started and it has already been one to remember i tweeted out this morning just imagine if you were a basketball fan right and you went into a coma the day before free agency started and then you woke up earlier this morning and you just saw everything that happened i i think you'd probably freak out a little bit if if you were in a coma and you're a knicks fan you'd want to go right back in yeah (laughs) right back in indeed uh, it should be a bombastic show. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined by my good friend and co host Luke Faye, apparently thinking it's acceptable to show up to work in a pair of dad sandals and socks that aren't even matching. I kinda need an explanation from you.
1: I said I'm 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 going I'm going out today and I'm I'm gonna look my best and, and this is the best foot forward I could I could put. You know, I I, really? I like I like the style. It is eye popping, eye catching. Every single person that has walked past me has uh had a little bit of an
0: opinion. But but is it the right kind of eye-catching. Because I, everybody that's walked past has said, dude, what are you doing? Your socks aren't uh, even I'm matching. I'm going to need
1: my boy uh, Jay to come back me up over here, Jay.
2: <laughs> I, I defended Luke. I was told he was the best basketball player on FSU's campus, and that's how he can get away with it. Okay. That's what I was told. Okay.
0: All right. He's the five-star. He's the one and done. We'll see him number one in the <laughs> NBA draft next year. If If I didn't blow out my knee my sophomore year on that scooter, you know. <laughs> uh and if actually you had some talent at basketball Whoa. and joining the panel this week first time that i've seen him here on the show with me uh when i've been a host but i know he's been here before jay sutton how are you my man
2: doing good just trying to keep up with all this free agency madness
0: yeah, yeah. just like the rest of us my phone has been blowing up with the espn up over the past 48 hours it has almost been non-stop and of course you know him he's usually here he's always around brett rutherford how are you doing
3: well nick uh, like you, you said we, we were on talking shop uh, last week and i think the fans of that show are probably getting a little tired of hearing my voice, but I hope the fans of Tomahawk Talk are not tired of me yet because I'm here for another
0: hour, so let's uh, do it. I mean, I'm tired. We can just make your mic. <laughs> yeah, we can, uh, we can cut him at the tweet end Tweet it of the out. Year. If you're tired of Brett Rutherford's <laughs> voice, uh, make sure to tweet out to Jenny, and we can just cut off his mic for the rest of the show and be that kind of show tonight if you wish it to be so. Luke Fay, Brett Rutherford, Jay Sutton. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a, the, take a look rather at the top stories from the past week in sports, pick the top ones, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, 15-year-old, yes, you heard that correctly, 15-year-old Coco Gauff defeated Venus Williams in the first round of Wimbledon earlier today, becoming the youngest player to ever compete at Wimbledon. And I'm not quite sure if there's a associated stat with Venus Williams around that, but either way, that's a very impressive victory. This is a massive feat for this young lady. Dare I say, one of the most head-turning victories in all of sports recently. What is the biggest takeaway from Coco's victory, and what is the significance of this victory in the grand scheme of sports, Luke?
1: Well, it's a it's another torch for the Venus uh, or for the Williams sisters to to pass on to really a generation that they inspired. And really, the my favorite thing about this story is that her mother, which I'm trying to look up her name, I I have it somewhere around here. Her mother actually was a track and field star in the late '80s and '90s with Florida State. So that's a that Florida State connection, which is, uh, you know, that that's really cool. Because how often do you see a 15 year old Nick? 15 years old? I I don't want to I don't want to say like what what were you doing when you were 15? <laughs> Sports wise.
0: Sports wise, I was playing. 2K. <laughs> Hi, w- w- yeah, 2K. Well, I don't know if I was in high school. W- how old would I would have been at 15? Freshman year in high school? I'm pretty sure I would have yeah. been playing football. I don't even know if she's in high school. She F- might can be somebody do in- the math for us on this? For, it up now. Uh, I'm, I'm 15 is freshman year of high school, Yeah, right? freshman or sophomore so year, depending on the birthday. She's 15, so I guess she's a... Well, I can tell you I wasn't defeating Venus Williams in the first round of Wimbledon. I'll throw it to you, Brett. What is the like, significance of this
3: victory. Well, Luke did mention that her mother, whose name I did find, Candy Odom, who ran track and field here at yes. Florida State. And and I, I, I won't claim to be an expert on the amateur rules when it comes to tennis. I know the Wimbledon uh, championships are a professional event. I don't know what that does to Coco Goff's amateur status. But my biggest takeaway for this is, is Coco Goff going to be able to come to her mother's alma mater and play women's tennis ooh, here? Because that would be huge for our women's tennis team here at Florida State
2: absolutely jay I, I think that luke hit it on the head this is the generation of players that the williams sisters inspired so when you think about that and you think about tennis going forward just think about what's coming next what's next to come you know will we have more uh ethnicity and more diversity in tennis and will they dominate as the williams sisters have
0: yeah that's a really good point and i think it's just incredible how i guess the evolution of young players in any sport and it really just seems like there's always this next generation of young players but just so much more so recently it feels like there's a lot of young people that are seemingly dominating and taking over their sport and it's really incredible to watch and it it kind of just begs the question is like what's the past generation been doing all this time
1: yeah. nick it's it's something to point out is that most of these young players are playing their idols it's almost as if yeah. um you know tiger woods inspired all these all these players to come up and, and go and play golf. It's the same thing with the Williams sisters, where uh, they inspired, uh, especially the the African Americans within our society. This is not a sport in which normally African Americans would play. Uh, sure. And you look at Osaka, who, uh, who who ended up beating it was Serena Williams in the Open. Yeah, the U.S. US open, open last she, year. She uh, she is of Japanese and African American descent. And then you go and look at uh, Coco Golf, and the same thing. It's uh they're they're beating their idols. If you noticed when Osaka won, she was crying her eyes out. Same thing with the golf is is it's it's a really emotional thing when imagine you beating your idol. It's uh it's cool to look it's cool to look at because in the grand scheme of things it, it is just a game, but to these people it's more.
0: Yeah. Very good points. Very good points on the That was the off the top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, delivered by our panel. So before we get into the NBA free agency, which should take up most of the show, <laughs> a lot to talk lots about. to talk about, lots of hot takes to come. We do have some uh, some cleaning up to do <laughs> around the Tomahawk Talk studio here. So we, we again, I mentioned it at the top of the show, somehow we missed uh, Fiondo Cavangeli and Terrence Mann and a couple of others in the cast of the 2018-2019 uh, the Seminoles that did find a team to play for when it came to the NBA draft. We overlooked that in our passion of talking about the NBA draft. So we're just gonna revisit that really quickly. Uh, But actually before we do that, just a little bit of news that I'm pretty sure everybody's seen at this point, Mike Martin didn't win a collegiate coach of the year for uh, baseball. I don't think that anybody would disagree with that. Uh, I think it's a very nice final uh, hat and tip hat tip that's a, that's the word i was looking for of course curtain a, call curtain call the there championship of course would have been the best curtain call that he could have gotten but this is a very nice recognition of especially what he was able to do with this year's florida state baseball team but luke uh, when it comes to fiondo cavangeli and terrence man we talked about it on oh no you did and me and brett did but so let's get your opinion on this fiondo cavangeli and terrence man both heading to la of course brooklyn nets part sending uh, sending fiondo cavangeli to the clippers in the trade on draft night What did you think of this landing spot for the both of them?
1: Terrence Mann, I think I came out and said he wasn't going to get drafted in the NBA uh, a couple months ago. I I was pleasantly surprised that he he was on a roster, and it mostly has to do with his length uh, that that he was, and I think they're going to look at him uh, more on the defensive side. He probably won't be in the rotation his first year. We'll see him as more of a G-leaguer, kind of in between. Hopefully he makes the team because he is a second-round pick. uh, They can cut them. But Captain Gelly, it's, it's a good spot. I, I think it really depends on how free agency ends because Kawhi Leonard, one of the biggest free agents on the market, he is still thinking about where his destination is going to be. I believe the betting favorite now are the Clippers, and then behind that, Toronto, and then uh, it is L.A. Lakers. Yeah, the, Lakers. Yeah, the, the Lakers. Lakers. The Well, the Lakers, I just checked. The Lakers are plus 600, 6-1. Six to Toronto is, I believe, one uh, plus one ten, and then even for the Clippers. So people are thinking he's going to go to the Clippers. But Kevin Gelly, great player. Um, what 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 position does he play? Because we talked about the foul trouble that he gets into. I think uh, they're going to develop him a lot more than than kind of play him right away. So we'll see. Maybe an eighth, ninth man type of thing. Is that something that would fit well for for him and his growth as a player?
0: Well, I think when it comes to talking about the L.A. Clippers, and I said this on Talking Chop, I think in next to the Brooklyn Nets, I think the Clippers are probably the best spot that, that Fiondo Cavangeli could have landed at. Because when you think about the composition of the team, a lot of young, scrappy players. Uh, you think about Montrezl Harrell, you think about Lou Williams. Of course, Lou Williams is probably the most veteran type player on that team but there are a lot of young hungry players on the Clippers and they already work very well together. And I think that's a perfect environment for somebody like Fiondu Cavangeli to build his, I guess, repertoire when it comes to being in the NBA. We already know that he's tenacious on the boards. We already know that he does have somewhat of a three point shot. Jay, do you agree with the statement that the LA Clippers were a really good spot for him? Or do you think that he could have landed in a better situation?
2: I think it's a excellent landing spot for him. Well run organization, great coach, great owner. Great GM, of course, Jerry West. Um, and I think he'll get a chance to really showcase his ability to stretch the floor. I'm, I'm hearing comparisons to Draymond Green. As everyone keeps saying, Draymond Green. So he'll be kind of a stretch four and a tough-nosed defensive player. And uh, he, he'll definitely get minutes. Like Luke said, I can see Terrence Mann uh, fighting for minutes or spending some time in the G League. But uh, as far as Cam Camingale, I, I think I can see him in heavy rotation and stretching the floor at the four spot. And then, Brett, of course, Chris Kamaji, and
0: Phil Kofor also finding spots. Phil Kofer with the Hawks and Chris Kamaji with the Magic, I believe. Um, feel free to correct me on that. Uh, I, th- I think it was not. Was it it not wasn't
1: the Magic. Wasn't
0: the, it uh, uh, Philadelphia? Yeah, Kamaji's
3: had to do the Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. So, uh, the blue the blue colors rang true. <laughs> um, got, got that one incorrect. But we talked about this on Topping Chop again. I hate to keep referencing it, but how do you think that, Phil Kofer and Chris Kamachi's time in the G Leagues are going to work out. Do you think that they're going to be able to make their way up to an NBA roster? Or do you think that they might spend some spend some time overseas? Phil Phil
3: Kofer's the interesting one for me here because two years ago, the Florida State, the Florida State team that made it to the Elite Eight and lost in Michigan, looking at that roster and watching that team that season, I thought Phil Kofer had the most pro potential. And obviously his entire Florida State career, he dealt with a ton of injuries, including this past year, um, and then a lot of personal issues towards the end of the season. Um, And so it was a rough end to his Florida State career. Uh, it, I do think if he does get healthy, and I don't know what his what his health status is right now, he has the potential even even out of guy. Maybe, maybe, I'm not going to say the level of Kevin Gelly, but out of a guy like Terrence Mann who was drafted to, he has more of a potential to make an NBA team, make an impact on a roster. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not he, he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I think it's extremely interesting, especially when you think about Chris Komaji. He's such a very rare commodity in the NBA this league, but I don't think he's a valuable commodity in no. the sense that Mm-mm. he is extremely tall, he's extremely thin, doesn't really have a lot of muscle on him. And off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody in which you can compare him to right now in the NBA in which somebody like that is making an impact. Maybe Bob on Marjanovic.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're they're really just taking a flyer on him. I, obviously, I hope for the best uh, for Kamaji, for but... It's going to be an uphill battle for him to make any he roster. He can't
0: space the floor. No. no.
2: Well, a player, you just mentioned a, a player with that size that can have impact the game. Uh, JaVale McGee came to mind. That's someone that possibly he could mature into. And then JaVale McGee is like a bottom-tier player at, at that. But mm-hmm. he definitely impacts the game. So maybe that's something that he can set his sights on to mature into. That's definitely the bright
0: side. especially And when it comes to Phil Cofer, too, obviously you know we stated that he does have a contract with the Hawks. Um, it, he's a very interesting player obviously he spent a lot of his time at Florida State his last season rather at Florida State injured I think that's the big thing that he's going to have to overcome he's going to have to prove that he can get valuable minutes and he can overcome those injuries because he was never truly healthy his last season and it really affected his draft stock which as you said Brett towards the end of that Elite Eight team in the the previous season it looked like he was definitely the one with the best draft stock coming out of Florida State at that time it's so, going to be very interesting for those four players to see where they end up in a few years from now, of course, there are some surprises. but Leek Beasley was somebody that, at the time, I think a lot of Florida State fans thought, well, this is going to be too early for him. I think he's leaving too early. He is going to need some more time to develop. And he became a really, really nice piece for the Denver Nuggets last season as they made their postseason push. Same with the Dwayne, Dwayne Bacon. He hasn't had as much impact in uh, New Orleans, not New Orleans, excuse me, Hornets. in Charlotte. Yeah as i think he wants to but he's still developed into a pretty solid piece and that should definitely speak to the type of talent that leonard hamilton has been able to develop over the last few years at florida state so leaving that there something that we also did want to talk about before we get into free agency and i know i keep pushing it back but it's literally that much to talk about i'm just making sure i cover all of my bases uh the usa uh, women's national team defeating france two to one in their Women's World Cup match on Friday. A uh, lot of people thought that the U.S. might bow out to France in this matchup. Luke, how satisfied were you with the result? They, they played they played great. They
1: were up 2-0. to zero. Uh, The French defender, she's about 6 foot, hit a header in to make it a little bit of a closer game, and they just held strong at the end. It, it kind of looked like the, the uh, crowd and everything was going towards France's mm-hmm. way. But it's a lot of pressure. Let's let's not get it sideways. The U.S. men's national team is a joke right now, and they're fighting for money. That's that's a big thing that people don't understand: is they're in a labor fight for we are equally, if not better, financially for the the national team when it comes to revenue, and they're getting paid. I th- I think they're getting paid like eight or nine times less, something something ridiculous uh, to the amount. So it's it's more of a it, the, the results matter more to them than to the U.S. team, and right now it's a lot of pressure because winning this World Cup will inspire a bunch of ladies to play, but also it'll give them the backing of we're worth we're worth it to uh, to the nation and financially as well.
3: Watch, watching that game on Friday, it felt like it carried a ton of weight. With all the political stuff that's gone on with the with the equal pay arguments and and the president tweeting at one of the players Um, and, and the way the national media really covered this game going into a quarterfinal playing the host which a lot of people picked to win the tournament a lot of people had France winning the tournament and from the U.S. perspective where it's World Cup or bust for them. I mean, they, they, they are expected to to win it and, it, and anything else is really a disappointment. Watching that game, it really felt like one of the most important American soccer games I've ever watched, and to see them rise to the occasion, and it was a really great game. I thought both teams played really well, and the U.S. just played that much better um, and, and ended up beating France, and, and now... I think uh, now, now it really is World Cup or bust. They've gotten, they've they've taken France out. They've got England tomorrow afternoon, a really big match, and then hopefully onto the final for the U.S. women.
0: Yeah, Jay Megan Rapinoe scored four four goals of the last two games for the women, and of course she took to the po- to the I guess I'll say podium, but more like a platform. Uh, Brett kind of mentioned the political, I guess aura revolving around this women's national team at that time. And she had some comments about the political situation. I'm just wondering your thoughts on whether or not this was the right platform to really speak out.
2: Why not? Um, it's her time. She's on top of the world. She's dominating. That's just her. That's her personality. That's her attitude. That's what she does. And so while she has that voice, why not use it? That's a good. That, that's
0: exactly what I was thinking on the matter, I didn't really expect a different answer from you, but I'm glad that we're on the same page here.
1: Nick, huge matchup against England coming up for them. I, I got this question for you. Is this the biggest matchup between England and the U.S. since the Revolutionary War?
3: Oh, the War of 1812.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit extraneous. Oh, I'm dying over I think here. they
3: played in the last World Cup, too, in the semifinal.
1: Well, it's got to be bigger than that. Well, you know? it's got to be bigger than that. Is, is it coming home? That's the question. Is football coming home? Is football coming home, football coming home for England? Or are the Americans going to no. steal it like they stole the United States? No, Let's well, go, America. If, if you, if you, okay. you know, July 4th is coming up. Okay. If the game, U.S. wins tomorrow. Technically, ooh, fun fact, this game is taking place July 2nd. I don't know if the Declaration of Independence was on July 2nd or July 3rd. 4th? No, no, that's common fact. Okay. It's not true. Oh but this could have even bigger meanings guys I, i'm going on a
3: tangent now, here conspiracy but theory? huge the the biggest the biggest significance that this game holds that if if the united states wins it's officially called soccer forever it's no longer football <laughs> we're, we're we're officially changing it to soccer so that's what's riding on the semifinal tomorrow uh,
0: it's announced that the United States has been uh, removed from the UN that <laughs> <laughs> and it's Alex Morgan's birthday I believe as well Ooh, okay well then that that locks the fl- that I almost said that that locks the women's team into a victory uh, if it's Al Mar- Alex Morgan's birthday but uh, that be what it may now it's time to get into what everybody's waiting for I'm just gonna leave it open to discussion here we have about 40 minutes to talk about everything maybe 35 more so at this point it's getting closer to 35. Where does everybody want to start? Because everybody has a different idea on what the biggest move from yesterday was, and earlier today there were a couple of moves today as well. I'm just looking for anybody to pick a place to start because wherever we start, we're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. I think
1: Jay wants KD over there. Jay's been chomping yeah. at the bit for hours. I, I would definitely start with
2: KD, but I think Brett has something. No, I no, I up. just
3: want to say that Jay and I are both KD stands. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. KD Uh-oh. has caught caught a lot of. Just unnecessary hate in the media and in, in in with NBA fans across the country and I just want to tip my hat to an athlete that continuously makes the right decision to put himself in in, in a spot to win. Did he
2: make the right decision though?
0: Did I he? think so. He's gonna play with Kyrie. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know necessarily that Kyrie is the thing to focus on in that, though. I don't necessarily think it's a Kyrie, I want to play with Kyrie issue. I think it's a I want to get out from the Warriors organization issue.
3: Well, he's he's done all he can in, in Golden State, two NBA uh, finals. Two
2: out of three.
0: And,
3: and, two, and two MVPs. It would have been
2: three out of three. Oh, if he, if he was healthy,
0: <laughs> they were winning that. They were beating
3: Toronto. Yeah, I think take on a new challenge, get to play with another superstar in a big city, in a big market. That's, that's probably the best decision for him.
2: I do see Nick's point, though, that there were some internal issues. And I don't know exactly what went on. I don't think anyone knows with the injury and the Achilles. But something was going on in the organization. I think that that was the tipping point for KD. Um, I would like to know what happened there. But put that aside, they did say that he wanted to play with his friends, Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, and that's all well and fine. But outside of that, I'm looking at it from a purely basketball standpoint. And I've heard KD do, do thousands of interviews, and he said that he wanted something different than taking turns to score as he had with Westbrook. Very and true. from my viewpoint, from my vantage point, it looks like he kind of signed up for the same thing with Kyrie. Not that extreme, but he kind of signed up for the same thing as far as taking turns to score. Well, he's going to have to take turns with less people
0: in yeah. that sense because when you talk about Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, who just, by the way, this earlier uh, today – was official he signed that 150 million 90. uh 190 yeah. okay well there's NBA a, money a is wild a lot of extra money hey, well you're a baseball fan so i don't yeah, know baseball you, money's pretty wild baseball too baseball money's pretty wild uh, luke i'm going to throw you the question you and i have been speculating what's going to be happening to this warriors team after the season for at least a month or so now now that this has actually happened is this for sure the end of the warriors dynasty
1: it was it was very bizarre because you saw kind of the warriors break up uh, looney ended up going to the the t wolves uh, Katie goes all the way across the country to the Nets, and now now everyone's excited. They're tweeting out, you know, they're done. They're done essentially. And then you get something out of nowhere, which is D'Angelo Russell going to Golden State, and now it puts down, it puts back into the realm of, well, Golden State might still be able to hold on. I I want to know from you, do you think that D'Angelo Russell is a good fit for that organization with Klay Thompson out or? For, for right now, it might be, but when Klay Thompson comes back, is he going to be the third wheel in, in an organization that isn't really good at holding around third wheels?
0: I, I, I do not like this move at all. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I think the Warriors are panicking. I think that they made a panic sign and trade with the Nets at this point. It did feel that way. It, it felt, really it did. It felt very panicky. And not only that, they mm-hmm. came out with an announcement today that no other Warrior is going to wear the number 35. What I thought was that was I rightfully that, so. No, 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 no! I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Oh,
2: that's nuts! No, this yeah. is
0: absolutely he. Kevin Durant has not done that much for the Warriors. The Warriors would have won those championships anyways without Kevin Durant. In Rick, my should opinion, we
2: leave, should we leave now? Or?
3: Yeah, I'm heading out. No, <laughs> I, I think
1: no, Nick, Nick, you're 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 completely right. I think it's a joke. He put in what. Three or four years of effort to get his number retired after he runs away like a like a little girl. No, come on, no no,
0: no, no, I wouldn't call it running away because I do think that the Warriors screwed him over, so to speak, when it comes to the severity of his injury. And you know, it's no guarantee that Kevin Durant is going to come back the same player. Imagine the the anger and the stigma that Kevin Durant is going to have. Did Kobe have come the back Warriors. the same way? You know, you're right. No, not really. So yeah. I mean. And just the way that they announced that they're gonna—I don't necessarily think that they use the words retire his number, but nobody is ever gonna wear the number thirty-five again. It's almost like a latchedish effort. I like, mean, like what was that? It's a—it's a, the weirdest breakup I've ever seen in the NBA. It's—it's it's really just like the Warriors and Kevin Durant just got off the phone. The Warriors are all crying and everything. And then you know they go and they talk to D'Angelo Russell, and it's like, well, everything's going to be okay. But they're still hurt inside. They're still crying. They want to make up. Kevin Durant, we still love you. We'll retire yeah. your number. That's kind of the that's kind of the feeling that I got from this. Nick, it, was pa- Kevin it was
1: pathetic. It was pathetic. Put some that's respect
0: on his name. I'm not saying that it's, that <laughs> Kevin Durant isn't the one of the best players in the world at this point. But how how weird from an organization that a lot of the universe thought was a top standing organization. You know, just a, a couple of weeks before, and they kind of are now a sob story the way that they've been handling him no, leaving.
3: No, listen, I do want to kind of bring things back to the to the basketball here, and you mentioned the D'Angelo Russell move and how he doesn't necessarily fit well Mark Stein from the New York Times is reporting that he believes that D'Angelo D'Angelo Russell will be traded before the start of the season and I'm interested to see what Golden State does with D'Angelo Russell are they going to turn him into a you know maybe get a forward or a center because then you're looking at once Clay is healthy you've still got Steph Clay Draymond maybe Boogie if he stays and another star player I mean that would be I mean, how could they? They could still be competing Brett, for, you, for the West. You we read
1: that report a little bit wrong. It was they thought that they might flip him mid-season, late that's season. That's what I was going to say. It's it wasn't it wasn't at the beginning of the year.
2: Yeah, it was about an All Star break, from what I heard. But, but
1: but still, they they view him as kind of a temporary patch but on. The, a but that's rim. still a trade
3: piece where they could bring in a, a, a top tier center or a top tier forward to go with Draymond and, and put them back atop the West.
0: Well, they basically just gave D'Angelo Russell, Kevin Durant's money. That's a lot of cap space that you're going to put on a player in a sign and trade in the middle. Of the season, uh, Jay. Final word from you before we go to a short break here. How does how does that relationship? Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, Clay Thompson is going to be out a while. But once they come back, how is that backcourt going to be able to function together if they're going to be able to function at all?
2: It's it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, the Warriors are known for defense, and D'Angelo Russell he can go get a bucket. He could take some pressure off of Steph offensively. But defensively, I don't see him fitting in. I, I I don't see it, and I don't see his personality necessarily fitting in as well. And with that being said, we're going to take
0: a short two minute break. Thank you all so much for being here with us. Uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
4: Given I'm a love getting I'm a stranger I love stretching out my wheel Overnighting on a desert strip making time and losing grip Driving circles in the canyons of my mind. Making time and losing grip.
0: Driving circles in the canyons of my mind And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. On the other side of the break, we're finishing up talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie to the Brooklyn Nets and what that means for the Warriors franchise and how it is apparently breaking at the seams. Uh, Jay finished off the first half of the show saying that he doesn't see a way that D'Angelo Russell, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, if he does get his money, are going to be able to coexist, especially with D'Angelo Russell's noted, I'm just going to say, egotistical tendencies. We'll just go with that. But I don't know if anybody has any closing thoughts on Kyrie and KD on the Nets. I I do have one thing, and I— I don't know if I'm going to take enough flack for this, but I don't think things are going to work out for the Nets exactly as it appears right now. I think KD and Kyrie both are followers and not leaders. KD's probably not going to play for the Nets next season, and if Kyrie has shown me anything in his time as Boston, is that he does not like being the person that fronts the load when it comes to leading a basketball team. He kind of likes to be the main guy, but not the main guy. And I don't know that the Nets are necessarily prepared for this a very similar situation that Kyrie had in Boston with a bunch of young players that were doing pretty well on their own and I I really don't think that the Nets are gonna come out of this as squeaky clean as we're saying. Tweet it. And then that's hot. That's hot. I don't know if anybody has a response for that, Jay.
2: The only thing I'll say to that is the the only difference I see here is that Kawhi was traded. People forget that he was traded to Boston. He's choosing he's choosing to go to Brooklyn. So therefore his attitude and his approach could be different there. Like put all the basketball stuff aside. Well he did ask for the trade in the first place. So he asked for he asked for a trade, not to Boston, he asked for a trade. No, so. yeah, he asked for a trade. Uh,
1: Clarification, J meant Kyrie, not Kawhi.
2: Yes. I said Kawhi?
0: Yeah, you said Sorry. Kawhi. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um I, I Nick, mean Nick, I wanna talk about the warriors a
1: little bit more sure. in that they broke up even even more than what people are reporting. They don't not everyone knows that Andre Iguodala was traded. Right, That's so another huge piece. Andre Iguodala was on a big plane ride, and he said he landed and landed to the D'Angelo Russell move, uh, move, and then five or ten minutes later, he strayed out yeah. to Memphis, uh, kind of like you know loose change, and that could be from the breakfast uh, Breakfast Club interview where he kind of knew he was on his way out through a little bit of uh, details about the Warriors that maybe uh, Warriors brass didn't exactly like
0: well that's kind of the thing that I was saying earlier when the way the way just that the Warriors organization has been reacting over the past couple days that's the other thing is they're moving Andre Iguodala to Grizzly, to the Grizzlies I like the pickup for Memphis but they're really kind of just sending everybody that's a problem out of the Warriors organization or they right think now
1: it's a, it's, it feels like a very defensive move like there, exactly. was, there was nothing wrong there was nothing wrong Nick we, we didn't do anything wrong when everyone's looking in the mirror going Dude, you threw out a guy. You pressured a guy into tearing his Achilles when obviously everyone in the everyone in their mother could tell that there was something wrong. And now, now look at him. He, he's he's halfway across the country doing what he wants to do.
3: Listen, yeah, the the Iguodala move really might come back to, to bite Golden State. But I think if you still follow the model where you've got. Three studs, which Golden State still does, um, obviously if, if Clay Clay stays there. Uh, I and if they do bring in one more piece, I, I still I don't think it hurts that team chemistry because the main three have always been Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Like that's been the holy trinity in, in Golden State.
0: So does the situation, the chemistry I'm not gonna say that it was broken because of Kevin Durant, because obviously Kevin Durant and Draymond Greens were butting heads in the middle of the season and everybody recognized that. Jay, do you think that him leaving might kind of fix that chemistry issues that were going on?
2: It actually might. I I think that they may develop a us against the world mentality. And like you said, I think KD was kind of a oddball, if you, per se, um, the whole entire time he was there. So I think that they could develop their chemistry, but I do think that Iguodala would be a huge, losing him would be a huge blow to that culture that they built there in Golden State. Moving on just a little bit. Is it
0: is it south? I guess it's southwest. Philly from New York? Is it southwest? Either way. No, either way. Philly
1: from New I think it's just west.
0: Is it just west? Yeah, either way. Moving from yeah. New York to Philadelphia. Philadelphia of 76ers moving in and out pieces. Some I really agree with. Some I tend not to agree with. I think offering Tobias Harris that much money is... Uh, it's a word that probably can't be said on the air, uh, <laughs> but I do really enjoy the Miami heat picking up Jimmy Butler and moving out in Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside's tenure in Miami is coming to an end about a year and a half too late, if you ask me personally. Guys, what are your
2: thoughts on this Jimmy Butler sign-and-trade? Um, Jimmy Butler desperately wants to have his own team. He wants to be the guy, and now he has the opportunity. And I, I'm not... I'm not excited about it, honestly. I think he really rubs people the wrong way. Like, put the numbers and everything aside, he just really rubs people the wrong way, and he sucks the energy out of the room. So him going to a young team, I, I, I don't know if it'll work, unless Pat Riley and Eric Spolster can, you know, establish that culture there.
1: Well, well you mentioned Tobias Harris and, and them choosing him over Jimmy Butler. I I think it is ludicrous. He's not worth – it was $30-plus plus million but – they're trying to keep a culture, and Jimmy Butler, every mm-hmm. place he's gone, has kind of driven people out, whether it was in Chicago, where he, then he went to the Timberwolves and the fiasco there, mm-hmm. and then with the Sixers, it kind of felt like he didn't exactly belong. And, and there wasn't exactly allegiance to re-sign. he had only been there for half a year, and they understood what they were getting into with him. But when you look at him with Miami, the draw there is to run your own team taxes are a great thing as well in yeah. miami as we all know no state income tax um, baby but but will it will it be a step down from philly i really think that he's choosing more of his own legacy over a team wide legacy which he he maybe doesn't really work as the non number one alpha dog
0: no, I think Jimmy Butler is probably one of the most selfish players when it comes to not necessarily basketball, because there are ball hogs, especially, and one of those ball hogs just found their way to the Boston Celtics. We'll talk about that later, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, awesome. but uh, when it just comes, I think he's probably one of the more selfish players in the league. When I guess my thought process when I you know watched all of this develop is okay, Jimmy Butler is going to be working with Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside has ego issues. He can be an on and off, one play on, one play not player. Jimmy Butler is a very type of, you're either with me or you're not, so let's get down to work and let's get things going. I thought, well, okay, so maybe Jimmy Butler's hard-nosed attitude might fix around the the young player base for the Miami Heat, but now that Hassan Whiteside's gone and this is essentially Jimmy Butler's team, with a bunch of draft picks that not haven't necessarily worked out. Justice Winslow not really worked out that much. It's it's a little bit of a weird situation, as you said, Jay.
2: Well, Nick, I actually like the other team in that trade. I like Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I know you're not a big fan of Tobias Harris getting that much money, but he, them being able to retain him and them able to get Al Horford is huge. Mm-hmm. Ju, uh, Joel Embiid is basically unstoppable. Yeah. The only person i seen match up really well with him was Al Horford, and now he's on his team. Um, they get Josh Richardson, who's a young 3-and-D guy. They lose J.J., um, but if Ben Simmons can develop something that looks like a jump shot, <laughs> I think that they'll be good.
3: No, I, I still think Philadelphia is probably one really good shooter away from from winning a championship or from being able to contend for a championship, but I'm going to speculate. I'm going to guess that Brett Brown in, in, the, in the 76ers you know, front office probably thought that Tobias Harris was a better fit culturally for their organization, I agree. Letting, letting Jimmy Butler go, cutting ties with him. They know they have a really good core with Embiid, Simmons, Harris. It was a good acquisition for them. Yeah, Maybe he's not worth the money pound for pound as a player, but for a fit in that organization, my guess is that that's how the Sixers saw Harris. That's why they offered him that money. Nothing
1: wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with no, that as well. I not at all. I, I, kinda, I, I understand it. It's just if you put paper and paper together, you kind of see – one is probably better than the other, but it's not really worth the
0: headache. Especially because you said that Philadelphia is one really good shooter away from really contending for a championship. You couldn't have given, given Tobias Harris just a little bit less money to try and go and find that guy. I mean, I just thought it wasn't necessarily a personnel decision that I disagree with. It was a financial and the amount of money that they were giving him kind of decision. Um, Was he going to get anywhere else, which is kind of – I don't know if he would have. I don't think so either. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing is, like, comparing what other teams would have given him. Obviously, when it comes to competing with teams, there's a lot of calling the other team's bluff on how much they want that player. That's the thing that we don't all see behind the scenes. So, you know, it's hard to say what kind of information Philadelphia was getting from other teams about how much they really wanted Tobias Harris. But – I think that the 76ers overpaid for Harris, but they did get Horford, which is huge. They got Richardson, which is going to be a nice piece for them.
1: You know what's interesting to me is J.J. Reddick in that situation. He left Philly. Uh, there had always been rumors that he would go to Brooklyn, which would have provided much-needed shooting. He goes down to the Pelicans, gets a, a very nice financial deal to go down. I, I can't exactly remember. It was probably about $13 $14 million a year. But to me, the biggest loser in free agency right now the Lakers. The Lakers are, are the biggest loser because we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi, but the Lakers do not have any shooting. And if they're to go out and get a veteran, there, there's been mentionings of, of uh, Danny Green and whatnot. J.J. Redick is that perfect shooter to help space the floor. He's going to he's gonna score you about 16, 17 a game, and LeBron James needs those outside shooters. Not like a Kyle Korver type, because Kyle Korver's more on the downturn of his career. He's a great shooter, don't get me wrong, but they need they need that type of bucket getter where you know he can knock down shots because LeBron James is is a forward-type point guard. He's a passer, and if you're passing to Rajon Rondo and the likes of what they have on the court right now, you're not going to score, Nick.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and it really feel like, feels like to me that the Lakers are so enamored with trying to get Kawhi Leonard that they're really just neglecting the other however many hundreds of players that play in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, it's literally—it's probably one of the most tunnel vision free agency that the Lakers have had. Or any team has had, and God knows how long. I mean, I wouldn't
1: say any team. We're gonna to get to that team that's even worse. Well, but Nick, Nick, you said it, you you were you were touching a little bit on it. It's that the Lakers think that their brand and LeBron James are going to somehow just uh, attract
0: players, and right now that is not working. So you got to do something different. I don't know how you see how you look over to the Eastern Conference and see the Knicks completely failing at it and thinking that it works. Just having yeah. the name and your brand of your basketball team being able to draw in free agents now. Obviously the Knicks don't oh, have LeBron James. We're gonna to talk forever on that one. Bring in, Ooh. but uh, Jay on a scale of one two, I really don't want to talk about this. How how bad are Knicks fans right now? How 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 healthy is this organization? I'm just ch- I guess in the <laughs> simplest terms, how much damage control needs to be done?
2: it's it's bad it's bad and and what makes it even worse is i heard reports today well they, you know they talked about how close deandre jordan and kd were um deandre jordan was already in new york so that was the perfect pitch man right there already in place and so that tells you that he called kd and was like uh this ain't it and uh you go back to porzingis porzingis Perzingis was given the nickname the unicorn by Kevin Durant, so obviously he was fond of Perzingis, and they ship him out of town. Albeit he was he was hurt, but they could have they could have held on to him um, and try to make that work. But it, it it's really bad in New York. Um, you know they did get Julius Randle. I mean, should we <laughs> throw a parade about that? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean Taj I, I, I,
3: Gibson, baby. I tend
2: to. I, I like Julius
0: Randle. I I'm a, I'm a Julius Randle fan. I think he's very underlooked, and I think that maybe the money was a little high for him in this point. You like him if you're a Knicks fan? I would say, dude,
1: <laughs> as, your, as your star player, the one you were going to put on a big banner in York, he's not your guy. He's a great three or four, but oh
0: my gosh, are you kidding me? I never <laughs> said he was a star player. I said he was good damage control.
3: I think I think the Knicks need to abandon this slash and burn style of, of building an NBA franchise that's become so popular where you're relying on the lottery, you're relying on free agency, like they have been doing the last few years, and it's gonna take some time. They've got a couple talented players. You know, I think Kevin Knox could, could grow into a to a pretty good NBA player. And I think it's gonna they're gonna need to switch this over to a five six seven year process where they're just slowly building up you know maybe they went 30 you know 25 wins 30 40 wins and and really start to build it up you you know it's going to take some time and it's going to be tough for the fans but that's probably the healthiest way from where this organization's at right now for them to finally get back to their winning ways
2: who's the gm in new york I think it's James Dolan no, as well. James Don-
0: No, James Dolan is the owner. I'm not quite sure. The no, I governor. think he both. The, the, well, that's what governor. I'm saying.
2: Do we have a Jerry Jones situation going on in New York where he needs to maybe I relinquish some so. of his power? I, I don't think so.
3: Scott Perry is officially the general manager of the New York Knicks. I don't know who calls the shots, uh, but Scott Perry is is officially uh, their, their general manager.
0: Jay, I'm going to throw this question to you. Were you surprised that Derrick Rose mm-hmm. left uh, Minnesota
2: to go to Detroit? No, it's real simple money. I don't think that Minnesota was going to give him that dollar amount. So, you know, someone his age who lost out – I mean, someone who has, you know, lost out on so much money due to injuries, you got to recoup as much as you can. Definitely. So that didn't surprise me at all. Luke, uh, Kemba Walker uh, planning to sign, if not already signed, with
0: the Boston Celtics leaving Charlotte, which Charlotte appears to be one of the three teams in the NBA that's just a desolate wasteland that you don't want to go to. Uh, Michael Jordan – for somebody that was probably the greatest of all time as a player, he has really just struggled with his wallet in terms of opening up and getting some talent in Charlotte. It's almost like he's wondering, why aren't we winning? And then it's not really a I'm-not-looking-in-the-mirror kind of situation. Uh, what do you think of this move for Kemba to, to Boston?
1: It was the right move for Kemba because, no, it, let's be honest, No, even if he took Wes on the max, what free agent's going to come? They had signed Nick Batum to a monumental deal like he was the greatest uh, – shooter in the entire universe. Nick Batuma is like a glorified Shane Battier and not even close to the shooting caliber of Shane Battier. Uh, it's it, it's the right move for Kemba. He's a real, 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 real hard worker. And uh, I've heard some slander, some Kemba slander, that he's a ball hog and uh, worse than, than Kyrie is with handling the ball in, in the sense of he's just shooting. That's all, all he does. He's got he had no one to play with, any no one to play with. And going to Boston, maybe maybe it'll be more of a wake up call. I think that Kemba at this point in his career is gonna have a type of year where last year was a career year, but no one really cared because he was in Houston uh, or uh, in Charlotte. Think of Kemba as an Isaiah Thomas guy trying to prove himself with Boston, and I think we're gonna get that type of flair. It's just a wonder if Gordon Hayward's gonna come out of that funk after that horrible leg injury. And if Jason Tatum, how he meshes well, but I think that that's the best signing. That I don't think it's. I think it's a better trade off than Kyrie because Kyrie didn't want to be there, and Kemba chose Boston.
2: Jay, do you agree with that? It, it's it's tough. Um, like we said, if you look at it like from a locker room standpoint, then yes, because I don't think Kyrie wanted to be there, and I don't think they wanted him there. But if you look at it from a basketball standpoint, Kyrie was better in every single way than Kemba. So everybody's hyping this up like, this is so good, they're going to be that much better. But what was the
1: health between Kimba and then versus Kyrie? Say that again? Health. Health? Yeah, who who played more games?
0: Um, who was I'm less pretty, injured? I'm pretty sure Kimba played, if not every single game, uh, close but, to – But to...
1: Kyrie has been way more injured with his knees than Kimba. But Kimba's never been injured for a full season, even half of a season. So it, you're looking at reliability within, within health-wise. Kyrie isn't really giving you that great of a uh, – that great that of a um, return.
2: That is a good point. I think Kimba's only missed like five games in his career, five or six games in his, his entire career. So that's a good point. But the productivity that you get from Kyrie when he's there, it, Kimba cannot match that. I, I think the
3: way Boston was going is, is with Kyrie, obviously they were going to be competing uh, to, you know, to represent the East in the finals year in, year out. But was where they were at with Kyrie, was that a position that could get them over the hump, that could get them an NBA championship? I don't think so. I think they were going to be pretty stale for the next few years if Kyrie had stayed, you know, always getting the 1 2 or 3 seed and just kind of flaming out in the, you know, conference semis or the conference finals. They may not be a better basketball team next season, but I think they're they're going to they won't be stale. You know, they it's, they have room to improve.
1: It's organizationally the the same way that Jimmy
0: Butler is in Exactly. All the
3: no, it's a, it's almost yeah, very similar situation.
0: Jay, what was the biggest surprise in the first couple of days of free agency to you? Either a player that re-signed, a player that, you know, decided to go somewhere that you didn't think he would go, biggest amount of money that he probably shouldn't have gotten. What, what really surprised you?
2: Nick, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and me and Brett have already established ourselves as the residents. KD stands. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not a biased point I'm about to make, but KD going to Brooklyn really, really shocked me because i listened to a million interviews kd and he said he wanted to play basketball the right way he didn't want to do it the westbrook way and he said he wanted to make the most money that he could and so he turned down the supermax which was the most money that he could have made with the warriors and he went to a player he went to brooklyn with a player that plays similar to westbrook so that really surprised me him leaving the warriors
0: it's kind of interesting to think about i'm glad that you brought up westbrook because oklahoma city and likewise the houston rockets those are both two teams that have always kind of been at the bottom of the West, or not necessarily Houston, but more so Oklahoma. They've been at the bottom of the uh, of the West in terms of getting to the playoff. They've been the 6th, 7th, and 8th seed. Uh, obviously, Houston's been better, as I said, but haven't been making too much noise in free agency, especially Oklahoma City, especially because they already have two superstars in Paul George and Westbrook. Do you think that Oklahoma City's kind of just throwing in the towel
2: and they're going to start to rebuild soon? I hope, so. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, sorry to simplify it, but I think that pretty much the world was put on notice last year that Paul George was a better player than Westbrook. That he is a better player, defensively, offensively, however you want to name it. And I know this may be an unpopular opinion, and this may be a hot take, but I think that OKC needs to move on from Westbrook. I think that you just talked about free agents coming there. Maybe... If they escort him out the door, maybe they can attract more. Free they're fans. in that
3: same situation, kind of like Boston was with Kyrie. Where yeah, they're a great basketball team year in, year out. But are they ever going to win a championship with Russell Westbrook and the guys they have now? I don't think so. Do you? Do you, Jay?
2: I, I don't see it. Yeah, oh, no, Luke. It's... Do you? I mean,
1: I, I, they're they're about a fifth or sixth seed every year, and it it really goes back to is their bench going to be anything? And right now, I I haven't even heard a signing that OKC has done, and no Nails one is dropping. Well. I, you know what I have heard is the, the moves that the Jazz have made, mm. people are speculating that they will be one of the top teams in, in, in the West, and for, for me, the, the top defensive team, they were already so good at
0: defense. Yeah, absolutely. They got they got Mike Conley, and I believe that they, they didn't move him, but uh, Ricky Rubio agreed to a three-year contract with the Suns, I believe, so I really enjoy what the Utah Jazz have been doing as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Jay, when it comes to OKC. Uh, OKC's not going to win a playoff round until Russell Westbrook doesn't play for them anymore. Russell Westbrook is the kryptonite for that basketball team. He is really just... And I've never been a Russell Westbrook fan. I don't enjoy the, the way that he plays basketball. Uh, I mean, it's exciting to watch, but it's not exciting for the purest of the game, you know, I think. And... He's really one of those players that is going to hinder whatever team he's going to be on until he just learns to be less selfish and he learns to be a team player instead of a stat sheet, a stat sheet stuffer. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, one of the moves that I was really, really curious about, Harrison Barnes agreeing to a four-year, $85 million contract with the Sacramento Kings. Not the most bombastic signing, but it's a lot of money. Brett, do you agree?
3: Yeah, and, and, and we talk about uh, you know guys getting overpaid. And, and once you reach the end of your contract – that's what that's what reaching free agency is all about. It's getting more money than what you're worth, and I think the Kings found another example of a guy they believe in, a guy they think is going to be a part part of their core. That they're willing to to probably pay a little more than than what he's worth. And I think, uh, you know, pound for pound, he might not be worth that dollar amount. Uh, but again, for the organization, if 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 they believe that it will work, and, and we see that it does work over the next few years. It's a good signing.
1: I'd love to be his agent. Oof. Yeah, that's that's some good. Like Chris Middleton's agent too. Oh my gosh! What I, a, oh yeah. Oh boy, I I think that that's the worst signing. Really? The mm. worst? Really? Easily the worst signing. Why? Of, of free agency. Why? Because Chris Middleton is a glorified bum, bro. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Are wow. you kidding me? No, I. 18.3 <laughs>
3: points per game last Dude.
1: year. Chris Middleton is not worth anything. He's gonna be he's gonna be one of those lousy contracts. they people be like, they gave Chris Middleton this amount of money. I if I'm if I was the Bucks, I would have said, dude, you're you're worth a max contract. He's getting he has the second largest contract in NBA history. Are you kidding me, Chris Middleton? I, I would have let him walk. I would have said, here we're gonna give you we're gonna give you twenty five million dollars a year. He's getting paid I think thirty seven or something like that. He's not worth it. Get, get give me anyone else. He's he's just he's a number who, four at but, any but other. Who team. else can they get? Who? Yeah, Does not exactly. matter? He's not worth the money. Why tie yourself down when you got Giannis, who's going to get over two hundred and something million? You're going to have that four hundred million dollars tied up between Giannis and Chris Middleton. That, that Milwaukee Bucks team bro, could have gone. very easily been in the NBA finals that's this what, year. That's what I'm that's saying. It's a great
3: man. team. You want to keep that together. You want to keep that chemistry, no matter what that who money it is.
1: With that money, give me anyone else literally give me no, anyone not, you know, else. No. I would no. take give me give me DeAngelo Russell over mm. that are no, you kidding I'm, me
2: I'm with you Luke, for the most part but they had to do it they 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 had to pay him like they just had to keep that intact I had to do yeah, it he's not uh, a bum if, if
3: anything if you if you don't sign Middleton to a contract like that you're going to let Giannis waste his prime years in Milwaukee you're not going to get another big time free agent to come out there that can help them win a championship I think I think the Middleton signing I'm actually going to go out and say so, it was one of my favorite of, so you, of the day so you think yesterday. that
1: it was better? I mean they let they they let go of Malcolm Brogdon and now they're, they're they're keeping Middleton at
0: an unbelievable price Brogdon was injured for a lot of last year though I still think that's a big I loss mean, though I, I I'm know. not saying no, it's a big it's, loss. I'm not saying that it's not a big loss I'm just saying I can see I see more logic in them letting go of Brogdon than I see logic or, or excuse me I see less logic in them losing Brogdon than, uh, than grabbing Middleton, or maybe I have that backwards. Either way, I'm a bigger fan of the Middleton signing than you are. We have about three minutes left. It's probably the biggest question left in free agency. Where is Kawhi Leonard going? It's flop between the Lakers, the Clippers, Toronto. It's literally just a a, a love cluster, triangle. Yeah. It's a love triangle. It's a cluster. Uh, final three minutes. We've already talked about it a little bit. Luke, where is Kawhi going to end up?
1: Uh, I think Kawhi is going to end up where most people thought he was going to end up go, I would say, like about a month ago, and it's going to be with the Clippers. Uh, L.A., I, someone in L.A. is throwing out these rumors. Some L.A. insider is throwing out these random rumors that he's going to he's going to Lakers. He's going to Lakers. He's, there's no—I I, I will say it here. There's not a chance he goes and plays for the Lakers. If he's going to L.A., it's going with the Clippers. I would be mildly shocked if he went back to Toronto, but that could be a good move for him. Uh, The safest play for him is to stay in Toronto in the east. But if he's to go out west, it's going to be with the Clippers.
2: Um, sorry, Drake. Um, I think he's going to the Lakers. Um, I think that that gives him the best chance to win the title next year. If he goes to the Clippers, I don't think he'll be able to compete with the same team in, his, in the same building. Um, and he wouldn't be the biggest star in the same building. So I see him going to the Lakers. I'm
3: going gonna, I'm gonna to say he stays one more year in Toronto, whether that be a one-year deal or a, mm-hmm. or a larger contract with an opt-out after year one. I think he gives it one more year in Toronto, maybe sees how things play out in L.A. or maybe in a couple other cities. And then he makes his decision. I think he's comfortable where he's at now. They could win another. They could compete for another championship next season. I think. Yeah, I'm going to say he stays one more year at Jurassic Park.
0: I think that he's going to stay another year as well. I think he's taking a look at L.A. I think he's serious. I think he's seriously considering the L.A. Lakers as an option. But if I work wide, Leonard, and what I think he's going to do, I think he's going to stay another year in Toronto. He's going to kind of flirt with the opportunity of getting a supermax deal next year but also what i said earlier in the show the lakers are really tunnel vision on Kawhi leonard and they really don't have a team besides lebron and kd i think if i'm Kawhi leonard you take a look you see what the lakers can bring in this year compete for a title with toronto and if you like what you see enough to go to la next year that's what you do Um, and then really kind of hold the supermax over toronto's head and see how much money you can get out of both those teams and see where everything uh, lands another year plus, you're already in Toronto, you already have everything set up, and Toronto absolutely loves Kawhi Leonard. I think, especially in L.A., it could be definitely a divided love fest. LeBron is the king in L.A. Mm-hmm. right now. AD's, uh, Anthony Davis isn't even going to be the king in L.A. for a long while. That'd be interesting to see, though, see if LeBron might patch, pass the torch and his career in L.A. and just give it to uh, Anthony Davis. But-
1: Nick, Nick, his personality is kind of bizarre. You you, wanna, you can't say he would love the L.A. though, because... You don't know. It's, <laughs> it's kind of bizarre, but he, he played college. Are there 18. apples out there? He, well, Oh, God. He played college over in California, so maybe he wants to go back home.
0: Interesting to see. Well, that is all the time we have for this show of Tomahawk Talk. Thank you all so much for joining us and being here with us for this show. For Luke, for Jay, for Brett. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle. Thank you so much for being here. New releases up next. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. <laughs> we